Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. All right, well, we are beginning a new series, Light Became Life, and uh, this, this series will take us into Christmas and even after Christmas, and, you know, really the, the, the purpose behind this series, obviously, I, most of us know that Jesus referred to himself as the light of the world. He is referred to himself, Jesus is referred to as light throughout Scripture, and, uh, but what does that really mean? What are the implications of him being light? What does that mean, and what does his presence here on earth mean as he walked as light? Because it's important for us to be reminded. It's important for us to know the depth of what that uh, meant for humanity and still means for those that don't believe and that for us that do believe. Because uh, Jesus was the light of the world, was he not? Now, the reason I want us to really be grounded in this, so as we approach Christmas, maybe there's even a whole new level of thanksgiving and understanding as you know we hit Christmas and uh, celebrate his birth. Um, because the world is pretty lost when it comes to the idea of Jesus, right? It's getting worse. So I looked up a few uh, surveys results. So here's some of the results of a few surveys, or a survey that was done just recently, 2022. And uh, people were given a statement, and they were told to either agree or not agree with it. And uh, One of the statements was, Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. So of... Uh, the adults that were polled or surveyed, 52% agreed with that. Okay, just 52% of the people agree that Jesus was a great teacher, but he wasn't God. He was just one of many, okay? Does that surprise you? No. But here's the evangelical finding. Evangelical meant that these people either said or confirmed that the Bible is the highest authority, that they believe that Jesus died for sins and that he is the only way. But some of these were identified as evangelicals because of the church affiliation that they had written down or put down. So, Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. 43% agree. Pretty astounding, huh? Of evangelicals. Now, we don't know, but what we don't, somehow they were identified as Jesus believers. But yet, 43% said, well, I mean, he was good, but I can't go all the way and say he was God. Crazy to think about, but yet very true. Here's another one. The Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but it's not literally true. U.S. adult finding, 53% agree. Not a surprise. Now, the evangelical finding was 26% agree. That's just a book of myths. Helpful, but not true. Hmm, okay. God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. This one just had a result for the evangelical finding. 56% believe that there's more than one way to God that profess faith in Jesus. Now, I mean, this is what the stats say. You know, I don't know all the statistics and the science behind it, but this is the results. Now, I would say that, I mean, 
from what I'm seeing and hearing, especially you know, being in this world, you know, as a pastor and, and kind of knowing and hearing about trends and you know, in the church, I, I tend to agree about some of the things that are happening. So again, Jesus as the light is being lumped in with a bunch of other light, right? So it's important for us as believers to understand that Jesus was the light, not one of many. Okay, this wasn't a string of Christmas lights. He was a single light, spotlight. But yet the world is not accepting that. And we are in a post-Christian world, post-Christian culture, that had the light but have now rejected the light. So my hope is that as we learn who Jesus was, why he had to come, why he had to come, why he, what he accomplished, we'd be so sold again and convicted that Jesus is the light, the truth, the way, the only way, right? So when we celebrate Christmas, it's like there's a heart of thanksgiving, of understanding, Lord, you came. You didn't have to, but you did, and you were the only one that could come to save me. You weren't just a cute little baby in a manger, but you were the beloved of God, the Savior, the Christ. So let's turn to Luke 2, 25. So we're going to start with Jesus being an infant, toddler, what? maybe an infant, I can't, okay, he was small. It says, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just, was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your words, right? So he's looking at this small child, for my eyes have seen what? Your, your what? Your Jesus, as soon as he saw him, as soon as the Holy Spirit led him to this child, he picked up this child and the Spirit of God convicted him and confirmed that this child was what above everything else? Salvation. Important for us to know. that led by the Holy Spirit, convicted by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit convicted and confirmed that this baby, this child, was the Savior. And he goes on, which you have prepared before the face of all people. Meaning now he has become light. He has become part of this world so that he could be seen. He could be heard. And he goes, a light right? A light to bring what? To bring what? So we have salvation, a light to bring revelation to who? Hey, that's us. I think there may, I mean, for the most part, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory and honor to your people, Israel, if they would accept them. So right there from the beginning, Jesus is identified as the source of salvation, a light that would bring revelation of truth 
to those who did not have truth so that they could be saved in glory and honor to the Jewish people. The word salvation that is used here literally means he who embodies this salvation or through whom God is about to achieve it or the hope of future salvation. Present and future salvation was found in this little kid who hadn't done anything yet. But then he calls him light. Light, that which is exposed to the view of all openly and publicly that he would be seen, that the light of truth, the kingdom of heaven, God's heart, would be seen because it would walk amongst the people. A light to expose the truth, to be the truth, to reveal the truth to the Gentiles who had no clue and even to the Jews who had convoluted it and forgotten what it was all about. You see, Jesus' purpose in coming was a disclosure of the truth of God. A truth that would lead to salvation, right? A truth that would say, this is who God is. This is what it is to follow God. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. We know that Jesus taught like that often. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like that. This is where you all have gotten it wrong. The heaven, the kingdom of heaven is like this. But Jesus came as a light to reveal the single Truth, right? The only truth. And then he died for us. So, Jesus was light. Now, was Simeon being poetic? Did he enjoy using fancy, colorful words to describe what he was seeing? (laughs) No, he was actually repeating prophecy when he saw and looked into the face of Jesus. Isaiah 49, 6. Indeed, he says, is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel? Then he says this, I will also give you as a what? Light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation of whom I will accomplish salvation through to the ends of the earth. So before Jesus was ever alive, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was even born, it was prophesied that this man, this person, this Jesus would be a light of truth to those who once walked in darkness and did not have truth, to be salvation for all. For all, even to his own people. Okay, great. So what? Well, let's really think of the implications of that. God, knowing that he created all people, had a plan, not just to restore his own people, but all the world. The only way for that to happen was through Jesus. The only way that that could be accomplished is if Jesus, the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God, would be sacrificed for all. But he went farther than that. He wanted the Gentiles, those who had no truth, to actually hear the truth for the first time, to receive a truth that they had no idea of. There was no other option for them, right? But now God says, I'm going to give them an option. I'm going to give them the light of truth so that they no longer have to live 
in darkness. So from the very beginning, Jesus and God's plan for Jesus, yes, salvation, but truth in salvation, right? And I feel sometimes Jesus, especially with those that don't, it's minimalized, it's minimized down to just salvation, not truth in the way, in the light, right? There was a confession made at one time. Yes, Jesus, I have forgiveness. I believe in him for forgiveness, but there's no light, understanding of light and what it means for Jesus to be light, meaning he is the way, he is a directional light, right? When it's dark and then all of a sudden there's light, it says, hey, this, especially if you're lost, right? Like, imagine if you were... Spelunking? I don't mind you saying this. Spel- that's a weird word. That's cave like stuff. Okay, you're looking at me confused. Spelunking. Anyway, and your light goes out. And you don't know. You're lost in all these caves as a spelunker. Why am I saying this over and over again? But then all of a sudden there's a little glimmer of light, you know, just, I don't know, 100 yards away. I'm pretty sure that you would, all right, there it is. It's, it's showing me the way. It's showing me the way to freedom. It's showing me the way out, okay? Without it, you would just be completely lost. Okay, yeah, duh, that's what light means. But this is what Jesus embodied, the darkness of sin, the darkness of hopelessness, the darkness of there is no other way. And all of a sudden, boom, light's on because Jesus came. Here's the new way. Now, Look at this in Matthew 4, 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah. Man, Isaiah had it right. The prophet saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of what? Why is Jesus going to the Gentiles? Because it was prophesied that he would be a light to the Gentiles. The people who sat in what? Not even really by choice. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great what? And upon those who sat in the region, in a shadow of death, light has what? So Jesus practically beginning his ministry here in Galilee in a population of those that were despised because they weren't the chosen, right? Despised, rejected. Jesus, according to prophecy, he's like, I'm starting here in the land of the Gentiles to give the message of hope, to give the message of light, to be light, to be the light of truth. For those who sit in dark, sat in darkness had no other way, there he came. Already defying the understanding of many of the Pharisees and the scribes, right? So again, the light came to the Gentiles. The light came to those who had no other hope. Now, this is so important for all of us. What I'm about to read to you. Jesus came. It's the light. They give revelation, right, of truth for the hope of salvation. But what we're going to see, Jesus as the light, as the truth, also gave us direction, also gave us a decision, also gave us instruction on what to do with this message, right? 
It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to respond. It's one thing all of a sudden to have light, but what do I do with that? I mean, this is new. How do I, what am I supposed to do with this? This message that I'm hearing. Well, watch what it says in verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say what? Repent. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Huh. Boiled down to that, he began to preach, but this is what he said. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. For the truth is here. The revelation of God's heart is here in his ways and his truth. It is here. So repent. So I'm telling you these things in order for you to repent. I don't know about you. When you hear the word repent, it's not a real fun word. Hey, baby, you need to repent for last night. I'm kidding. I never see anyone saying it with a smile on their face. Hey, repent. It's fun to repent. She's like, repent, right? Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Repent, heathen. Sinner, repent. I'll be doomed. Why am I talking like that? But I just... <laughs> Anyway, Jesus is preaching, repent, the light, the truth. The core of his message was, there has to be a response, or it does no good. And if it's, if it's not the only way, then why, well, I don't need to repent, and tor- I, I don't need, if there's other ways, then okay, that's good, but I'm going I'm to turn towards this way. No, Jesus said repent, because this is the only way. Repent and turn. See, repent means to think differently, to reconsider, morally to feel compunction, or to change one's mind. It involves a turning. It involves a change. It involves a decision. So Jesus, the light, the truth, revealed the truth, who, sal- who was salvation, says, but your part is you hear it and respond. You repent, and the truth if allowed, will convict you and give you a new way. Repent is a healthy thing because repent is saying turn from darkness and turn to light. See, Jesus knew that the only hope for man was to respond to Jesus in a way that says, I turn from my understanding. I now have a new understanding, right? And if the word wasn't life, if the word wasn't spirit, if the word didn't convict and hit you at the core of who you are, right, it'd be hard to repent. But man, when we all responded, we knew there was something in it that was different, right? There was something in it that hit us in a place that was beyond here. And it was like, yes, yes, yes. See, Jesus as light, he's a directional light, He's not just delight to be admired. He's not just a good teacher, had some wise words to say. He's like, no, I'm a directional light, meaning I'm shining over here. Here I am. I have come down. I am the light. I'm revealing truth. Now turn towards me and head in this direction now, where before you didn't have it. You didn't have light in the darkness, right? Your only hope was yourself. But then Jesus came. Now, what we're going to see is that this message, the core of this message, this truth, and then repent, darkness to light, is a 
constant theme throughout the narrative of the New Testament. It didn't end with Jesus, but through the Holy Spirit and his leading, his teachers, his people would preach and teach the same thing. Repent. Because now you have something to turn toward. Iowa, Acts 26, 17. Paul recounting when Jesus blinded him, knocked him off a horse and changed his life <laughs> forever. The Jew of all Jews, the Pharisee of all Pharisees, knew everything, but he was dark, darkened in his understanding until Jesus came. But he says this, I will, repeating what Jesus said, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles. To whom now I'm going to send you? I'm going to deliver you from them, but then I'm going to send them to you. Okay. To what? What? Come on, one more time, y'all. Okay. Open their eyes, meaning they were blind. Blind. Without understanding, without knowing. Jesus came, became understanding. Now he uses his people to further bring that light into places where people's eyes are closed. And he says this, in order to turn them from what? To what? Sin to Jesus. Right? Sin to Jesus. But this is what Jesus told Paul. He's like, this is the crux of your ministry. You're going to preach what I preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, because you now have the truth. Turn, you now have new understanding. That is the right way, the only way. Turn. And from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive what? Of sin and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Wow. Is it crazy how it's all connected? From Isaiah through Acts, the message of Jesus is clear. So to just chalk him up as another teacher shows you there's no understanding. Right? And we live in a culture now, this post-Christian society that has rejected Jesus as light. And if anything, what you see, and even in some church circles, that they are making the Bible repent for the things that it says. That the Bible needs to have a change of mind. Right? So it conforms to what is acceptable. So it conforms to what mankind loves and needs and wants right now. So pastors and people are turning the Bible from light to darkness. Manipulating the word, changing the word, doubting the word, making excuses for the word, right? Scary when they start taking the word of God and turning it into a source of darkness. That's why it's so important that we continue to understand and to know who Jesus was and why he came, right? And you can boil it down to this. He was truth. He came down to earth and he said, repent. And in that, salvation will be found in abundance of life. Stop what you're doing, right? Now, Jesus knew as well as we know that not everybody is going to turn toward what? The light. His desire is that all would be saved, that none should perish, but he knows the power of darkness. It has real power. We know this, right? It's very tantalizing, very appetizing. Feels good. There's no accountability. God's word creates accountability, right? 
But watch what Jesus says in verse 19 of John 3. Now, before this, John 3.16, I think we all know what John 3.16 is. It's incredible news. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only begotten son, that he who believes in him shall not perish but live forever. Oh, yes. Woo. Sorry. But now watch verse 19, though. But and this is the condemnation. Oh, what? I thought Jesus was nice. I thought everybody's a rat. Love wins. This is the condemnation. That what? Has come into the world and men loved? There it is. Rather than light because their deeds were evil and they wanted to stay that way. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, meaning it's a way of life. They're entrenched in it. They don't want a change for some reason. So even when they're given the truth, they reject it. They become hardened. They become callous. Jesus knew this would happen. But I'm bringing this up for a reason. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. Meaning people don't want their consciousnesses awakened, right? They don't want to know what they are choosing to do is not right. They don't want to know. They don't want something to judge their life against. They want to stay as they are to the point where they reject Jesus' light and accept the false light, which is actually darkness, right? Now, this is why it's so dangerous when people start tinkering with the word of God, right? When it, stop, it stops being the measure by which we measure ourselves, but we try to bring it down to us, to our nature, so it feels good, so we have a form of godliness, but we deny its power, we deny its influence, we deny its authority, Right? Jesus came so that we would know that we need a Savior, right? We need his truth. We need to be reminded that we need a Savior and that there's a new way to live. And though we are being conformed and transformed to the image of Jesus, we still need grace and mercy. And if there is no authority, why do you need grace and mercy? If there's no accountability, right? But people would reject it. They would reject it. And the world is rejecting. We see our culture rejecting it. We see that they have turned. Not even turned, but they refuse to turn toward the light because they're so entrenched in sin. Doesn't change who Jesus is, right? right? Now, watch what Jesus says here. This is important for all of us. I mean, all of this is, but this is very applicable. Speaking of repentance and instruction. Jesus says this, but he who what? What does? Does. Does. Does is doing. Does is doing. Doing is action. Doing is a choice. Doing is an act of will. Doing is a response. He who does the truth, he responds to the light and obeys the light. Jesus, his word, God's word. But he who does the truth, he comes to the light that his, his what? Are deeds seen? May be clearly seen that they have been done in God. This is Jesus going, He who responds to my truth, right? He who turns from darkness to light. There is a clear sign of repentance because your life begins to change based on your doing. 
is doing saving you? No, the saving is changing your doing. (laughs) Repentance is an act of the heart that is demonstrated outwardly. Are we done growing in deeds? Right? No. Is, are we done being convicted of areas in our, sin, in our life that there is sin and hardness of heart? No. That's why repentance is still part of our vocabulary as believers. We repent and come to Jesus saying, I don't want to follow my way. I want to follow your way. But see, repentance, again, is a change of mind. So there's still things in our life maybe that we're not allowing to light in. So our deeds haven't demonstrated that we have been changed. Right? We haven't repented. We may say we have, but our deeds don't show it. They're not clearly seen. So we may profess this, but people are seeing what they see. And it's important that each and every one of us still allow the word of God to judge us in a way that says, okay, this is an area that's not lining up. Jesus is the light of truth. He is my salvation, right? His word is the authority over my life. This isn't right. All right, Lord, here we go. I'm going to do my best to turn from here to here. But it's visible, It's something that you decide, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to choose this, right? I'm not, just a million examples, obviously. I'm not going to be critical. I'm going to be encouraging. Just little things like that, right? I'm not going to be critical. I'm going to be encouraging, I want my words not to tear down, but every word that comes out of my mouth to build up and edify those who hear. But we justify and really don't repent sometimes because we're justified in making certain choices, right? Repentance is still part of the game as we respond to light. He's not done with you. It's those that don't think they need the light that are still in the dark. God's not done, right? And it's like not a fun message, and we may buck and get mad. There may be parts in us that are so resistant, but that's the nature of the gospel, right? It's like people hate it. Watch. This is uh, Paul continuing. He goes, therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea to the Jews and then to the Gentiles that they should what? That they should what? Turn to God and do works befitting or reflective of what? Okay? This is what I love. This is sometimes how we might feel inside when God's kind of messing with us. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. It's, a, it's the nature of the gospel. You know, it's like the nature of the gospel. It cuts to the core. Either we receive it, oh man, we hate it, right? It's like being uncovered, and you're like, no, I know, or it's like, I don't want to change. This works for me. You know, we could wrestle like that, can't we? But it doesn't change the fact that God is always after repentance. He's always after a change of heart as it pertains to something in your life or to somebody else and how you treat them. or what. He's not done. 
It's so important for us to know this, first and foremost. Our prayer, like Jesus, our hope was that all would receive, right? That the world would repent and turn towards the light. Jesus came down and gave an option that was not there before. But now we have it. And it's available to all. But we cannot forget the influence of the light within us on a daily basis. We can't forget that God continues to work in our lives to bring forth repentance and a change of heart and behavior and mind so that we turn from this to do this because our deeds are clearly seen. Are they reflective of Jesus? Are they reflective of you? Right? Because Jesus is very serious about what we do because it's a reflection of him, right? But if we're the same... (laughs) Are we light? If, if our truth is riddled with hatred and, and, and judgment in a way that there's no kindness or mercy or grace or gentleness, right? There's no benefit, there's no Holy Spirit inside those words, right? What are people hearing? Because, as I said before, when Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is near, I kind of always picture Jesus yelling, <laughs> Repent, for the kingdom of God God is near, you knuckleheads. I don't think it was like that. I think he preached, he gave the news, and he's like, y'all, repent. Turn, change. The truth is here. The kingdom of God is near. You have opportunity now to change your life. Repent, change, respond. God loves you, right? God The whole point of me being here is to demonstrate God's love for you. So respond to that and repent and turn towards the light and have a completely different light and understanding. A completely different life. Be changed. Right? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come, come, come. You can be changed. So repent. Stop doing what you're doing. Come on. Change your mind. You know, I could just see him. It was a statement of truth, but a statement of like, you are God's children. (laughs) Repent. It was good news. Repenting is a privilege, (laughs) isn't it? That there's actually an option. There's a difference. There's something we could turn toward. That we don't have to put up with ourselves. We don't have to accept the things in us that are not acceptable to God. Because we have overcome sin. Because Jesus overcame sin. That we have the Holy Spirit in us that says, you are no longer in bondage to that anymore. You have the power to repent and change. Doesn't mean it's easy, does it? No. But it's worth it because you know it's truth. You know it's life. And you believe Jesus is the Savior of the world who died and rose again. So important. You see, let's look at Revelation 2. Jesus is sending out correction and encouragement to seven churches. But I love this one. I know your works, speaking to the church, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have, patient and have, have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Man, that's an on-fire church. They're doing, doing. I mean, they're doing. 
And it's not that, and these are like good works, but see, this is what's so important. Jesus still sees the heart. Jesus understands from the place that it's coming from. Watch what he says. Nevertheless, I have this against you. Okay? That you have what? Left your, that you have left your first love. This church of doers left their first love. He goes, so remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. And then what does he say? He's speaking to the church. Believers that are doing crazy, awesome stuff. He's like, you all need to repent. Why? We're having a food drive and bingo. (laughs) We're having a Christmas concert. We're taking all, we have classes and we have this and we have that. We're doing everything we need to be doing. What? Repent. Therefore, from where you have fallen. Remember, they were, they were here, but over time, they fell. Back to something that was old. They fell back into darkness. Repent and do the first works. Or else I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. See how important, God, Jesus never stops with the whole repent thing. There's been so much speculation. What is that? What's the first love? What did they, you know, what did they leave? You know, I, I personally, and just from reading some things, I, I think it's not that complicated. You know, when Jesus said, here's the two most important commandments, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Somehow, they left the reality of the gospel. They left the source of hope. They left the reality that God loved us first, therefore we love him. They left and forgot about the power and the influence of the mercy and grace and goodness of God, right? That first love, that first understanding, that first love response when they received Jesus, when they received his grace, they received his truth, they understood mercy, they knew that they were saved, not because of anything they did, but because of what Jesus did. It was rooted in love because they had nothing really to show for it, right? Except they had to receive it. He's like, guys, you've forgotten that you've gotten so busy doing stuff that you're not doing it from a proper place. Repent. Stop doing for the sake of doing. Repent and get back to those first works that were from a place of love, right? From a place of response, knowing that we can't earn anything, but it's a gift. Grace is a gift freely given. So he's like, come on, y'all, get back, repent, or I'm I'm not blessing this no more because it's not a reflection of me. Yes, you're doing good things, but at the core, you have left. You have left Maybe consciously, unconscious, I don't know, but they left the place of love and understanding to this place that God was not pleased with. Guys, that's all of us. Why are you doing the things that you do? Why are you serving the Lord? Why are you following Jesus? Is it because he loves you? Or do you feel like I just have to do all this? No, it's rooted in love. It's rooted in that he was the light that was given to reveal the truth to us so that we could have salvation. Because God loved us first. And grace is a gift that has to be received. Received. Because it's free. That's how repentance still plays a part in our life. That's what part of Jesus being the light is all about. 
So as we repent and change, man, our words can be laced with grace, laced with love, laced with patience, laced with faithfulness. Doesn't mean we're not discouraged from what we're seeing. I mean, the spirit does not, the light doesn't like the dark. But he didn't give us a spirit that gets embittered and angry and hates. No, actually, Jesus came down when God knew all this and said, I'm going to be a light in all this darkness to give you guys some hope. So can we be that? Yeah, it's a war. It's, it's principalities, spirit. But man, we're called to be light, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm not going to hide it under a bushel. and let it shine. City on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and covers it up. So you see why Jesus was saying those things? So repentance is the way that we grow more and more in the light and become more reflective of Jesus. Amen? Christmas is going to be good. We're going to have a lot of reasons to celebrate. We always do, but hopefully we'll know even more why we are so thankful that Jesus was born. Right? So Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you for not letting that break. (laughs) But Lord, we praise you. We thank you that you came down to reveal truth, to reveal the way, to give us a standard that is God's, not our own, to give us something outside of ourselves to believe in, to hope, and to trust in. Lord, thank you that you paved the way with grace because of your sacrifice. Lord, I pray each of us as we receive conviction from the Holy Spirit that we are willing and able to turn as our minds are changed, that we have action that follows, that our mouths could be mouths of encouragement and truth and goodness, that we don't harbor things that tear away at that light and unforgiveness and bitterness, Lord, that we understand that in you, Lord, we're not victims. Even if we were victimized, Lord, we are no longer victims, but you are with us and that we can face the day differently. So, Lord, we give you all praise, all glory. You are good, faithful. We praise your name, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.